0: Welcome, everyone, to our next installment of the Faculty Learning Exchange, or FlexCast. We have two great guests with us today, Um, Dr. Raj Khanna, professor in the Department of Pharmacology, and Dr. Kathy Smith, associate professor in the Department of Psychiatry. Um, Kathy is also the assistant dean for student affairs uh, and the director of GME faculty development uh, at the College of Medicine, Tucson. So thank you both for coming, and we invited Raj and Kathy um, because they have both helped me with the Compass Program, the College of Medicine Peer Advancement Societies, and served as mentors for that program in the past and have helped our faculty develop um, their careers. And we thought this would be a great opportunity to talk about mentorship in general and our experiences with that. Joining me as always are my two great co-hosts, Dr. Mari Ricker from Family and Community Medicine and Dr. Amber Rice from Emergency Medicine. So um, well, let's just start off. We have two articles that we pulled to start this conversation. Um, one is called Mentorship Malpractice and the other is Mentee Missteps. Um, and they were both published a couple of years ago. Links are in the show notes, um, but I thought this these articles presented an interesting take on um, mentorship. We always hear about, you know, what makes great mentors. And I think we have those ideas in mind about, you know, what makes a really good mentorship relationship. And these two articles kind of bring up behaviors, you know, and they, they call them phenotypes of maybe mentors that are not ideal and, and issues that mentees might have and behaviors that mentees uh, might demonstrate that also kind of sabotage, Um, mentoring relationships. Um, So let's just start talking. What did you guys think about the information they presented?
1: I thought it was really interesting to think about um, being on both sides, both the mentee and the mentor side and I um, definitely from the mentee missteps was thinking a lot about um, wow I've had some challenging experiences and this really gives structure to what might have been going on. Um, and interestingly, on the mentorship malpractice, I it brought to to mind um, different experiences when I was a mentee and had some sort of um, negative experiences with different mentors.
2: Uh, so that was those were the
1: things that came to mind for me. Yeah, I think reading
2: both the articles together uh, sort of highlighted the how from both ends of the of the relationship you could have issues. And as a certain type of mentee, uh, you could see how a really problematic relationship with a mentor could happen if you had a certain type of mentor um, that was prone to some of these um, other sort of, you know, less constructive um, sort of mentorship styles. Um, So it it brought to me sort of maybe which types of mentee-mentor relationships might be the the most uh, maladaptive or most hard to deal with.
3: First, let me begin by thanking you for having me on the show, uh, Ali, uh, Amber and Mary. Um, I also think that having been both a mentee and now a mentor, it gives us a fresh perspective, all of us, and and really that's what I wanna bring to this discussion. It's not about one mentorship style or the fallacy of a mentee or your own uh, style. I think it's a mixture. Throughout my career, I can tell you beginning uh, I was sort of a bottleneck kind of mentor and in mid-career uh, had some success and was a world traveler kind of thing. And then now i really don't classify in one, the, what the papers are saying. Now I see myself more as a champion or cheerleader and a rainmaker, you know, now, now it's the time where I feel comfortable enough having been a mentee and a successful sort of a mentor. Now I can use those skills to deal with different kind of mentees. And that's the other thing I wanna to bring to the table is you know, you as, all of us as as having grown up as mentees to mentor, that, that, that focus or the style changes. Every mentor, every mentee is different. And you can't just sort of pigeonhole one style into each of your mentees. And I find that really to the case to be, uh, in some cases, some of our, some of my mentees are just so in line with what how I want them, and I see their progression very clearly. Where the others, you have to sort of provoke them a little bit, you have to get them uh, going. And so, what these papers bring about, you know, really resonates with the styles that I'm using. And I find myself really having a mixture of, of styles uh, for dealing with different mentees. And, you know, we're all familiar with the phrase, I think Kennedy said, uh, "Victory has many fathers, but success, you know, but failure is an orphan." So I think that really is what we should, as you began earlier by saying that we ought to have a team of mentors. You know, the mentee shouldn't rely just on us for practical reasons, maybe not available at all times. Also. Uh, so, so you know, those are some of the thoughts I had about these papers.
4: Yeah, I think those are such great points. And I also want to say thank you so much for having me on with you this morning. Um, this is such a treat. Um, the other thing that stood out for me, too, was as I have sort of evolved, having been a mentee and now a mentor, is how you can read these articles from a mentor's perspective and it resonates. You can think of so many experiences where you recognize very quickly Um, and can remember your own experiences and see you know where um, where there might have been difficulties but then I was also thinking about how a mentee might read these um, having not had yet all of that you know experience and finding different relationships and so it would almost be a more sort of practical what I should be looking out for as opposed to the mentor reading these and saying yes that's right that's what was going on sort of more of a reflection
0: yeah I think those are great points I had the same um thought when I was reading these, I had I was very easy for me to flip into the mentee role when I was reading the mentorship issues and then flip into the mentor role when I was reading the mentee issues and really both really um, resonated with things that I've seen. Although I have to say reading the mentorship malpractice paper made me um, realize how fortunate I've been and that I've, I don't, I've not been in a relationship like that, like, you know, like a toxic mentoring relationship. I've, I think I've just been really fortunate. Um, but I also, it also made me realize that a lot of the mentoring relationships that I've had as a mentee have not been as formalized. You know, I've not, I don't think I've really been in a <clears throat> really formal dyad mentoring relationship like that. It's always been kind of An organic process that's happened. Um, And maybe that's why I don't know. But um, I just, again, I felt very fortunate in my path that I did never had to have those sort of conflict and confrontations with Mm -hmm. my mentors.
3: Can I can I add to that, Ali, I I think, in my opinion, at least from my dealings with mentors and mentees, I think a formalized situation is sort of a forced in. I don't think it works. I think the organic Way to do this is is really the best way I, in my experience i've seen those those are lifelong and they really have an impact both on the mentee and a mentor you know i i can tell you here standing uh, and discussing with you that oh i'm a mentor no i'm at all times both a mentee and a mentor i don't always see myself just as a mentor we are learning as much from our mentees as they are from us and for me i think that's really uh, sometimes difficult some of the mentees are Quite challenging to work with, and uh, sometimes uh, all of us as mentors can have uh, rigid ideas of what we want, what we want to do, and and so I think it's it's infle- it becomes a little inflexible if you force people together, and 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 I, I think the organic way to do it, which may be more difficult because you may not know the colleagues around you, and you may not have access to all the different. Um, expertise around so if maybe there is a matchmaker I I get that but I think a formalized uh, scripted kind of uh, relationship is likely to be only good for that time frame that it's supposed to be and then you know beyond that for example the compass program that you guys were involved in that I helped with um, I've maintained I've mentored a few of the faculty and i've kept in touch with them we text routinely we meet once a month even on zoom now sometimes even more than a month and i've been sharing grants with them uh, all kinds of different advice so i think that really evolved because we it was just felt natural to do so and so i just want to bring that point up
1: i feel similarly i i definitely tend toward the more organic development of these relationships but i um i think this article really challenged that idea for me and, and made me think about how um, at the end of the Mentee Missteps article, it talked about um, delineating personal and career goals and, you know, having some conversation about that need to sort of embrace the imperfections and that, you know, we expect you to make mistakes and that having a conversation that's a maybe not formal so much, but having the opportunity to delineate some of those expectations, I think can really help the relationship. So I think there's got to be a balance somewhere between extremely formal and structured and, um, and truly haphazardly organic and somewhere in the middle where you can have some of that structure and expectations. And I do think that somehow having the mentor model that vulnerability, because I think that's the most effective way for the, mentee to, um, to truly be able to show up, not be perfect and be okay with it.
0: I have a question for you guys. When I meet with new faculty, and I'm sure you guys hear this from, fa- from faculty as well, they always, I hear a lot, um, I need to find a mentor. I need to find a mentor. And I'm, I, I totally agree. And as I said, I think the organic relationships that I've had have been the most rich and um, helpful. But how do you help people find that? Like, what do you, what advice do you give to sort of help people find their mentor.
2: So for me as probably the most junior person in this group, obviously, um, I have found that some of the groups that I have joined uh, joining faculty development groups joining uh, uh, hospital committees, things like that, where I have Um, sort of been forced into this sort of networking situation that I wouldn't have otherwise been in and uh, been around a whole different group of people outside of my sort of immediate uh, academic sphere. I think that that has allowed me the opportunity to meet a lot of different types of people. um, And it's helped me to identify mentors in other areas that I, it helped me recognize the areas in which I was missing mentorship. Um, I think in my career, I work in a very male-dominated field. It doesn't occur to me early on in my career that I should probably identify a female academic mentor for for some of those things that I was struggling with as a, a female academician um, and, and joining some of the women in academic medicine groups and starting to be more involved in uh, those things have really helped me to identify areas in which I could seek out advice for things that I I didn't even initially recognize I was struggling with.
1: Amber, do you think that you look for people when you're describing being involved in these um, organizations? Do you look for people who have careers that you would like to emulate or who have um, behaviors? Like, what do you look for? I'm just curious.
2: Yeah, I think it's less career oriented and more, maybe it's more of a peer mentorship situation where advice in things that are navigating parts of uh, academia that, are, are difficult or maybe bouncing ideas off of somebody who might have had similar experiences for one reason or another. Um, so it's it's partially peer mentorship uh, and I think partially um, mentorship from you know academics and female leaders who are much further along in their career than I am because um, I don't know that many. My immediate sphere and faculty group is a bunch of young female physicians and um, we don't have some of those experiences of um, going through promotion and you know some of these things that are um, a, a little more challenging.
4: You know, one thing that comes to mind for me when I'm working with new faculty and they're thinking about how to find a mentor, is sort of what I think we're all saying, which is being clear about what you need or want in that mentoring relationship. Because I think we have spoken to the need to have a team of mentors, um, and I think different mentors serve different purposes, and so. I believe the articles focused, you know, a little bit more on sort of publishing and, you know, what do you do when you need a mentor to help you with those skills? But I think, you know, to Amber's point, we, we need mentors who, you know, understand our experiences, who can sort of help help navigate, you know, some of those other things that come with being an academic doc. And so, um, and then the other thing we always talk about, about mentoring is The importance of really mentoring to the individual's goals and not necessarily the institution's goals. Right. And so, you know, really helping someone kind of clarify, you know, where they want to go and what they need can help figure out how to navigate and find that team of mentors that might all bring different skills or pathways or navigate.
1: Kathy, I was thinking about that a lot during this article too. Um, how some of the more advanced mentoring skills really overlap so much with coaching, and trying to figure out what those key questions are to ask the mentor or mentee. Sorry, um, so that they can sort of clarify those goals and and dreams, and um, yeah, just definitely something I was thinking about. I do have another question. As I was reading over some of the um, solutions and exit strategies, I I have to say I disagreed partially with some of them. Um, And maybe that's is very personality driven, but I was curious what you guys thought about some of the solutions. Um, I was particularly struck by, um, I think it was called the doormat, where the mentee uh, was being manipulated by other mentors. And um, some of the solutions were, you know, one of them was allowing the mentee to use you as an excuse. And I just found them to be, maybe codependent, so to speak.
2: I was just curious if you guys uh, resonated or didn't resonate with any of the solutions. Yeah, I think some of them sounded a little difficult um, to to accomplish. And I, I think it would really depend on the type of mentor that you had, um, whether or not they were responsive to certain things. So I, I think that the combination of certain mentor and mentee could make exiting a relationship much more difficult, um, especially if they were very codependent, um, there would be much less of a impetus to exit the relationship if they both felt that this was an okay situation, even though deep down it was just not productive to them
4: personally or academically. I think I would agree, Mari, I know exactly what you mean, and I do think they came across a little prescriptive. Um, I think, you know, sort of like we've said, these relationships require so much trust So, you know, you can be authentic and vulnerable and, you know, like you said, show up um, so that it would really be on either the mentee or the mentor to just identify, you know, if there's an issue in any sphere or problem and have a space to bring that and problem solve together Um, because I think it's kind of nuanced and it would be, you know, we don't really know why any of these conflicts could be occurring, you know, and sort of understanding that is really what's gonna direct, I think, the right solution or path forward.
3: Yeah, I was gonna add to that as well and say, you know, I agree completely that trust is the cornerstone here between the mentee and the mentor, but eventually, you know, in some cases, there will be potential problems that come up. And I think the only way, one of the ways to address that is to have this thing, uh, earlier we were talking about, Kathy brought it up, which is having team a set of mentors that are perhaps complementary and can bring conflict resolution or uh, give you more coaching that is uh, has a, a wide uh, rich experience based on what they do. Um, the The only issue there is sometimes it's hard to find mentors, you know, uh, that are themselves compatible. So. And this is something I've faced in the past where, you know, when I first my first uh, uh, position in Indiana University in Indianapolis, my chair said, you know, look, you you don't have a you will have a team of mentors, but what you do with their advice and as a mentee is up to you. So if one mentor tells you this thing, the other mentor says, do it this way. And you look, you go with one, but not the other. Well, eventually, whether you fail or not, it's going to be really based on how you take that advice and how you see it best fitting your track. So it's really not, you know, the mentors don't have magical answers. They they they'll, they're coach you based on their advice and what they think best. So I think that we as mentees and mentors need to really acknowledge that, that we can do the best in coaching you and helping you and guiding you and listening to you, consulting with you. But ultimately, it's incumbent upon the mentee to also take the initiative and really seek what they want from that advice and relationship.
0: Yeah, I agree, Raj. And I think um, the the role of that mentor person also fluxes I think or over time and having multiple people to fill some of these roles so not just a mentor but we talk about a coach um, or an advocate or a sponsor and kind of all these different things that faculty need uh, in their careers and people sort of behind them and, and in front of them putting their name forward for things that they wouldn't otherwise and like Amber said joining committees and encouraging people to to really get involved um, in different networks. Um, I think having a team approach really helps um, diversify your your perspective and, and your experiences and opportunities that you may not have have realized are there for you. Yeah. I have a question again um, about we've talked about in organic relationships um, really being um, at least for those of us on this call kind of um, really important in our developments um, so I'm curious how important do you think it is to define that role so like if somebody came to you and asked will you be my mentor Um, how important is it to kind of define that relationship with somebody if it happened organically do you need to sort of be clear about that or can you just kind of continue in this organic way
4: i think this is the tricky part um it's sort of being able to be organic but within Sort of some structure and some boundaries and expectations around that relationship i really do believe is sort of critical for me i believe that structure is what allows for that trust to develop and you know create a space that can be really authentic um and so you might have someone approach you you know to be a mentor or the other way around um and set up a relationship and maybe from the beginning think about what are the goals of the relationship or of the mentor? Um, How frequently do you wanna meet? How often? Where? Um, Are you always gonna meet even when there isn't necessarily something that you have to talk about in that week? Um, For me, that's always been very critical. I I certainly speak about keeping meetings um, because the fear I've always had is that we all Clinical faculty mentors and mentees are very busy and it's the first thing that goes away so when people start getting busy and they're coming up against deadlines it's very easy to say you know what I'm just going to cancel this this um, this meeting right because it feels less um, high stakes and I really try and push personally against that and keep those meetings almost always something still comes up it's almost always still really meaningful time and I think that's what lends to the organic authentic space Um, when it's a mentoring moment as opposed to a coaching moment. Um, And so I do think you can have that within the the context of the structure.
0: Yeah, thanks for that. I I brought it up because um, I think over the years, um, as a mentee i never asked anybody specifically will you be my mentor um,
3: mm-hmm. i
0: would you know try to schedule meetings and i'd send some emails with questions and have a conversation but and it would go on you know for and i still do that with many people that i've worked with that i but i've never officially asked them to be my mentor and then when I, when I got into this role in faculty development, I would meet with a new faculty and people would email me questions and we'd meet and talk about stuff. But just this year, actually, I've had faculty specifically ask me to serve as their mentor. And I would say, as much as I value informal, um, organic things, having that definition of and that, that ask and having that space to really, like you said, develop a structure we're gonna meet every every third Wednesday for at this time, Um, and that has helped. Um, It still is pretty informal and we just chat and have a conversation often, but um, I feel like having that definition um, has helped me be able to help them more meaningfully. I would also say having just um,
1: put together promotion packet, there is a whole section on your mentorship roles and listing out the people that you've mentored. And um, it's a lot easier to honestly write out who you've mentored if you've had that conversation. If you're sitting there thinking, oh, should I put this person down? I feel like I've been their mentor. Would they think I'm their mentor? It's really much more helpful if you've um, had that conversation.
0: Yeah, and I bring that up. That's a great point, Mari. For junior faculty listening to this who feel intimidated about asking someone to be their mentor, if you already sort of have a a relationship with them, I I would just encourage you um, to really think about that and be direct and, and think about what you need from that person, um, what your goals are and how they might help you reach those goals. But um, asking someone to, to serve as your, to be a mentor for you, they may not be your only mentor, of course, but um, I think defining that role is helpful um, for both parties. So um, I would just encourage you all to, to to think about that, even though it might feel intimidating to, to Put that out there to to ask someone. Um, it really can be very helpful.
2: Yeah, I think some of my mentors. I you know as I move through my career and I go from being you know a fellow you know to a faculty member um, and then start developing my own career. Those that were my mentors continue to be my mentor, um, but we do schedule specific mentor meetings um, because now that we work more closely as colleagues together, some of the people that were my mentors, you start to develop a sort of colleague relationship and you work together on a daily basis, you lose that mentorship or that formalized mentorship. Um, So I try really hard to schedule specific mentor meetings with my mentor where we talk specifically about those things because otherwise um, I feel like I lose my mentor because we start talking about the things that are specifically about um, career development or uh, promotion or what I should be doing next or uh, what I should be saying no to, um, that sort of thing. And I do have mentors that I, I do schedule mentor meetings with, but it's less of a sort of back and forth relationship. It's more of a, you know, maybe a little bit of coaching, but someone that I maybe I'm less, I work less with on a day-to-day basis. Um, but those people that I've started to work with more and more, I still have to keep that formal relationship going because otherwise you you forget to bring those those things that come up in conversation uh, on the day to day.
0: And I have a question for Amber, but everyone else can chime in. But Amber mentioned that she feels like she's the most junior of everyone in this on this uh, podcast right now. But I'm sure that you serve as a mentor for people, even if it's not been like a formalized thing yet Um, and i'm curious the articles kind of allude to this a little bit but and raj brought it up this progression where you you are a mentee and then um, you kind of evolve or develop um into into a mentor and in academics that sometimes just happens without us really realizing it and just you know as we progress we we start supervising and and mentoring other people Um, so i'm just curious do you think being a mentee and sort of having mentors in your life. How has that helped you develop mentoring skills? And and, um, did you feel that happening? Or, you know, just curious about your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I think so. I was never good uh, at setting up mentorship relationships. It was actually uh, one of my mentors that spent a lot of encouraging and time encouraging and pushing me to set up mentorship meetings with certain people who I Know, were we pseudo mentors. And he, you know, would say, you know what, you need to set up a mentorship meeting, you know, when you go to this conference so that you have time to sit down and talk face to face. And I wouldn't do that. I had a hard time figuring out how to sort of foster those mentorship relationships with people that I you know don't work with on a day to day basis. Um, and so that took a lot for me. And it made me realize that other people might have the same issue. So when I do have uh, people who you know either come to me or want to do research or something like that that I I do try really hard to reach out to them uh, and set up meeting times because that's something that I I struggle with because I it was this I don't know if it was equating success with independence issue or you, you, know, you want to be that independent person um, and so it's really hard to tell somebody you know I don't I don't know enough can you <laughs> can you sit down and, and talk to me uh, and, and let me know a little bit more about what you do and, and how I can be more successful? Um, and that was something that I really struggled with. So as, I'm, as I start to become a mentor to more and more people, I I do really try to reach out and make them, you know, help them know that I, I'm i always open for conversation. So please reach out anytime because that was something that was hard for me. Allie,
1: one thing that I noticed in reading this article is that I um, when I was a men- or still I'm a mentee, but as a mentee, I experienced, maybe if we call these maladaptive mentoring um, situations, uh, disorders, I maybe I experienced some maladaptive mentoring traits. (laughs) So I had a couple of experiences that were pretty negative. And um, I think those have really guided my, my experience as a mentor and trying to avoid those Uh, pitfalls and remembering what it felt like when I was sort of abandoned on a project or uh, made sort of being shamed in a certain situation and just having those experiences has guided my mentor role.
3: Yeah. I I would say the same thing, you know, a couple of toxic uh, relationships in the past have really guided me to make sure I never execute things like that ever within my relationship with mentors. it's really key. They were pretty, pretty devastating in my own growth as a scientist. And an independent mentor, but really the evolution is where I want to uh, revisit. It's really our evolution as a mentee to a mentor, and then to a colleague. A lot of the folks that we mentee become our, our colleagues, and so that that relationship has to be fostered, nurtured right from the beginning. And you know, organically, it'll happen. In some cases, in some cases, you'll butt heads, and and it, it won't be. Uh, a, a good relationship. But for the most part, those that stick through both in both the mentee and the mentor side, I think those really develop over a long time. I've had students that are now have their own positions that I communicate, you know, as if they were old friends, out of the blue, they'll drop in an email or a phone call and I'll talk to them for an hour or so if I have time. And, you know, it's like we just met each other, you know, last week or something. and. These students have gone, been in my lab since 10 years now. So I think there's something to be said about just how emotionally it sets up, the, the relationship sets up just naturally. And, you know, there's no prescription for that. There's no, you can't categorize that. It just happens. Um, so that's something there that we have to reconcile here that it's a very, it's a big ask, you know, to be a mentor, to really guide and shape somebody's career path. And, and you know, for example, I had a student who came in as an undergrad, first year, very green-eyed, brilliant, brilliant young woman, had some notion of wanting to do research. In the end, four years later, she was in the lab for four years, is now uh, doing an MD-PhD at Duke. You know, her, her her whole perception of what she wanted to do changed with the interactions we had. We kind of, really, it was amazing to see her progression, brilliant young woman, brilliant, hardworking, you know, perseverance like hell. And you could see that working with her was just really a joy in, in both for the, from the mentoring perspective and to see her evolve and then start to mentor other junior uh, students. So it, it's really a lifelong uh, journey for me.
0: Kathy, I, um I thought of you when I read this article well, so Kathy has given um, mentorship talks about mentorship across the country, and I've watched her give a couple of them and they're always fantastic. And I know that you always um, Have this quote from Steven Spielberg, and that's what um, opens one of these articles. And when I read it, I immediately thought of you, Kathy. Um, and uh, so I'm just curious in your the audiences that you've had and in and, and the talks that you've given and um, I'm just Wondering, are there any themes that you've gotten, you know, or, or questions that always come up about about mentorship um, when you give your presentations?
4: Yeah, it's, I had the exact same reaction. It's funny that you remember that I said the same thing and I have such a visceral um, response to that. It's a the quote for um, from Steven Spielberg at the beginning of the article. I think, you know, the themes that really come up are always about time you know, well, always how do you make time and how, you know, how do we mentor in the modern, you know, learning environments, which are just very different. Many of us who were mentees, you know, some time ago, the constructs of, of our workspace was so different. Um, and so it's really how do you translate maybe your own experience or the, or the way you, you experienced having a mentor to today. But I really believe that at the end of the day, the themes all still run true. It really might be the structure, you know, that changes. You know, how frequently you meet, how much, how big of a team do you have, how, um, how do you kind of set up the practical logistic parts? But I mean, I can tell you, I still call my mentor, um, the one that I established when I was a fourth year med student and was my mentor all through residency, fellowship, junior faculty. And is still the first person that comes to mind for, you know, anything related to, you know, it could be should I go into private practice now, <laughs> you know, um, and so much of what I learned about how to be a mentor, you know, came from those experiences that you know started in the late '90s. So, so I think it's about the relationship. Um, it really is, and it's so different. I don't know if, if you guys have noticed this, and then I'll stop talking, but. We often will talk about colleagues in the abstract or we'll say you know i had a friend but almost always when you talk about and you hear, have someone talk about their mentor they use them by name it's almost always the case so i i had a mentor dr marlene freeman like I, I, there's just something so powerful about that relationship that it becomes so very real that it almost feels odd to speak about your mentor in this abstract sort of way and I think it really speaks to the uniqueness of and the power of that relationship um, when it works. You know? And I think there's some truth, too, that you know, we were also very lucky. We had very similar interests. We had very similar personalities. We had very similar challenges. And she could really provide a lot of very practical guidance. But it was always in my best interest, always. Um, and um, that didn't always mean it was helping her in any way. The generosity of her time was profound. Um, and that's always really stuck with me and what I've always wanted to sort of give back in relationships. So.
0: Well, thanks for a great conversation, everyone. I think we've, we've had a really rich discussion. Um, and let's just summarize it with our three main points.
3: So the big takeaway for me uh, from this conversation is that we should keep in mind that there should be or ought to be a mix of an informal and structured mentorship.
4: And then I guess for me, then maybe the second point um, that I heard us saying today is really the importance of trust and really being able to establish that trust um, in that relationship so that both the mentor and the mentee can really come to that space being truly authentic and vulnerable, um, which really allows for a positive relationship and movement.
0: I think the, the final theme that we all seemed to bring up is the idea of having a team um, and the importance of having a mosaic of mentors in your life who fill different roles at different times, whether it be a coach or a sponsor, an advocate, or really um, in a, a deep mentoring relationship. Um, but having um, a group of people to help diversify the, the input and the advice that you're getting is so important. So, thank you so much, Kathy and Raj, for joining us for this. And as always, Amber and Mari, thank you for um, your time and co hosting this with me. And we will see you next time. Bye. Thank you. Bye.
4: Bye.
3: Thank you so much. much. Bye -bye. Bye bye.